There you go. Hour two, it is Light the Tower on the Horn. 1049 and 1019 AM till 60s. Streaming on the Horn app and smart speaker. And at hornfm.com, streaming 24 7, 365. Corey Gidry, Rodney Rodriguez as we pinch hit for Craig, Jeff, and Snoop. Hour number one, good conversation right there about those UIL state championships happening over in Arlington. And, of course, UTSA and the Cure Bowl. And, of course, we had our Florida Man story with Inconceivable. Don't be Brad. People, don't be Brad. Don't be out doing those things. Uh, Remember, season of giving, not season of taking. Don't be like Brad, as you heard that right there at the end of the first hour. We'll have another Longhorn Notebook coming up around 1130, and then we will talk to head coach Anthony Wood of the Westwood Warriors. We'll get his thoughts on these uh, contests that are going to be coming up as they get uh, started right now. Wimberley getting started at 11 o'clock as they take on Carthage, a couple of 15-0 and teams that are about to go at it there in Arlington in the 4-8-D2 ballgame, and that should be a very good ballgame to watch, an uh, entertaining ballgame to say the least, uh, to watch perennial Power Wimberley right there, try to get after it and get themselves another state championship. Diving in, let's talk a little bit of an NFL. Let's talk a little Dallas Cowboys. So you've got the Cowboys, and and and, and I'm not surprised. I, I'm 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 a Cowboy guy. I make no bones about it. Cowboys have always been my team. I mean, years of years of excitement, years of heartbreak, whatever you want to say. Glutton for punishment. It does not matter what you want to say. But I have always said, I have always said, especially in the last. 30 years it seems like if you if you have a team that is at its at its worst time if they are at rock bottom there's nothing that's going to help them get better or make them feel better or make them play better then play in the Dallas Cowboys, and and it matters not. It matters not the the state of what Dallas is doing, and it usually happens in situations like what we just saw this past weekend, where you've got a Houston team that come in, or one in ten, or yeah, one in ten. They come in one in ten. You got a Cowboys team on a roll, a Cowboys team already looking towards Philadelphia, and you almost got beat by the Houston Texans. And Corey, you were there. What? It, I was I was sick on my couch. I mean, not ill. I was just I couldn't believe what I was seeing. What was the mood in that place? Uh, I'm sure it isn't anything like it is right now. Let's just say it was uh, R-rated in terms of the obscenities <laughs> being thrown around. But um, you know, you know, we get there and the line is 17 points, right? So right, right. you know, Vegas thinks it's going to be a blowout. A lot of people do. Dallas gets the ball and just marches down the field, getting about eight yards per carry. Um, alternating between Zeke and Pollard like we've seen all year, and you're thinking, man, I might have to get out of here early, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And then they get a stop, and then the Turpin fumble on the punt, and then it just kind of gave that team life. That's one thing you kind of can't do when you're playing those teams who you just kind of put your foot on them early and and don't let them up. And a mistake kind of, you know, gave them that confidence. They were able to punch one in, and, you know, you were trailing at halftime. But at the end of the day, Dak Prescott, your $40 million quarterback, did what he was paid to do, made the 98-yard drive there at the end. Um, also credit to the defense for having that huge goal line stop. I mean, if they get it in there, it's over. Yeah, it's all, it's all and, done. And you lose to the Texans, and the national media is going to absolutely have a field day with you. Yeah, yeah, you get roasted. I mean, you get ro- you get roasted anyway. I mean, that, that's the thing about it. I mean, the, the microscope that you see on the Dallas Cowboys is such that to where the week before where you come out and, and you demolish you demolish the Colts, it's like, well, yeah, that's the Colts. Uh, you know, with when, when you beat the Vikings the way you beat the Vikings, 
Vikings, it's like, well, the Vikings had a bad day or, or whatever. There's always something like that where, where there's gonna, you're, you're going to have that talk, but where you, where you have that disappointing of a performance and you see that happening. And I know we were talking before the show and you mentioned Dak. And, and I, absolutely, he did what he had to do. He looked poised. He, he was doing exactly why he's paid that kind of money. But, but I got to tell you, there, there are things. Since he's, it, it, it's, it's, Dak scares me. Dak scares me at times because he seems to put he, he puts this team in certain situations to where exactly what what they were having to do the other day. I mean, you're having to dig yourself out of a hole right there, and it's one thing when you're doing that against the Colts. And I mean, you even you even look at the Colts game. I mean, you've got the whole debate back and forth: who's better, you know, Philadelphia or Dallas? I mean, right now Philadelphia is better. I mean, there there is no doubt about it. You you watch the Cowboys putting themselves in positions. To to, to lose football games. And it's one thing to, to beat a Colts team. It's one thing to be able to, to beat the Texans or be able to beat, uh, you know, whoever you want to come up with. You're not going to you are not going to beat the Eagles like that or you're not going to spot the Eagles 17 points and come back and win. You're not going to do that against the 49ers. I mean that that's just not what's going to happen. And a lot of I mean we see Dak. I, I love what they did when Dak was gone. I love what they did with that offense and as Dak came back, really utilizing that running attack right now where you've got you've got those two running backs. You've got those workhorses. I, I mean, make the defense stop that to open up the other. But there are times when Dak throws some of these bullets, and, and I'm like, it, it just scares me. I mean, the timing is horrible when Dak makes a mistake, it seems like. And it's almost like, you know, you want your quarterback to be confident. You're waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a lot of these throws, um, they're over the middle, right? That You know, maybe they don't have necessarily that deep threat weapon outside of the numbers to push it downfield so they feel like they need to, you know, attack the seams with the tight ends and them in routes and things like that, but... As far as Dak goes, I, I'm with you. Uh, he'll make you hold your breath. He there, will. Yeah. There's no doubt. But one thing I will say is we saw how they played with Cooper Rush, right? And since Dak has come back, they are either one or two in points per game. I think Kansas City might have passed them up with uh, 34 points against the Broncos. But they've certainly been putting up the points. Uh, but with that, you're getting a few turnovers, which against good teams who maybe can control the clock like San Francisco certainly can and Philadelphia – it could put you in some bad spots, but, you know, I'm still a Dak guy in the sense that um, I think he's good enough to get it done, but uh, we're going to have to see it. And uh, I'd like to see him be a little bit more conservative with those chances he's taking just across the middle. You're exactly right. It, and I love what you said right there, Corey. Hold your breath. I mean, because that, that's what you do. It's like every time that he steps back, you're like, oh, man, oh, man. What? Especially with, with the middle routes. I mean, when it's going across the middle, that that's where um, you do. Yeah, I mean, you want you wonder, is it going to sail? I mean, what's going to happen now? I mean, you mentioned the threat. Really like what we're seeing from C.D. Lamb. He's really coming to his own. I was never the biggest proponent of the OBJ thing. Um, and I think that brings distraction. Uh, I know we're seeing an OBJ that is, that is much more mature. We saw what he did last year uh, when he went to the Rams and, and helped them win that Super Bowl. Probably would have been the MVP of the Super Bowl had he not gone down. But I just don't think that this Cowboy locker room needs that kind of distraction. And then you had what happened with the airplane incident with OBJ. I mean, boom, there it is, a distraction. I mean, if, if he would have had he signed with the Cowboys, you know that would come up just because of what we're talking about, that microscope that sits on top of the Cowboys. So, so still not the still not not the biggest fan of that idea and and quite frankly I wish Jerry would let that go it seems like at this point it's Jerry the one that keeps bringing that to the forefront and keeps throwing that out there 
I like the T.Y. Hilton signing, for crying out loud. I mean, this is a solid wide receiver. I mean, a lot of great years with the Colts. And, I mean, you get a veteran in there. I think that he will mesh much better with Michael Gallup and with C.D. Lamb and all of that. And use those tight ends. I mean, you've got all of that. But it all comes back to, at this point, it smashed the running game, and that's been the most impressive part with the two-headed monster. I agree. I certainly like the path they took with T.Y. I mean, they're paying him about a million, maybe even less. Yeah, the and then cheap. where OBJ's asking for a multi-year, multi-million dollar deal with two, bum eight, with two bum knees, and it's like at 30 years old plus the distractions. I think a lot of it, too. Maybe there came a point in time where Jerry and them were sitting back like, all right, we probably aren't going to get him, but you know how Jerry is. Let's get the attention. Let, let's talk about it. Let's create the drama so stories are written and people are still talking about the Cowboys on TV. There could be an element of that, but I, I like the um, path they took when with signing T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and then you had the Micah Parsons incident uh, that, that we were talking about. Uh, you had that there on, on the podcast, on the Von Miller podcast. And, again, I, I think that's a situation right there. This is back to the Dallas Cowboy microscope. If you go back and – I should have pulled the sounder. should have pulled the sound from it. But if you go back and listen to it, I mean, it's not it, – it, it, he's not saying that, that, that Jalen Hurts is not MVP worthy – the way that it's being spun. I mean, just what he is saying, it sounds like to me, is that he really appreciates what that team is doing as, as a, a team effort, what we were talking about. He's crediting the, right. other, the other pieces that they right. have. Right, That's exactly what he's doing. But this is being – and this this is the stuff – I mean, I don't think Micah Parsons did this intentionally. Micah Parsons is not trying to, to cause bulletin board material, I don't think. But I, I just don't think that this is something right now that – again, the, Cowboy, the Cowboys don't handle these situations well because what usually happens it, it, it becomes like a like an inferno you know it just gets worse I mean it just adds to the fire and then you have an epic fail I mean this is this situation what we're building to with with these narrow wins over Houston um, what's going to happen this week against Jacksonville I, I mean I don't know I, I certainly hope the Cowboys aren't looking past Jacksonville that's an improving football team you, you look past Trevor Lawrence and them you're going to get beat Man, what a hire Doug Peterson was for them. Tell I me loved about it. At, it. I loved it at the time because, I mean, Trevor just couldn't have had a worse situation to walk into as a rookie. And now you're starting to see why pretty much everyone saw him as one of the generational talents, you know, coming out of the draft that we've seen in a while. Yeah. And, and what this is building to, I mean, depending on what happens this week, I, I mean, if this, you know, you continue to get these little things that happen, and, and here you go. You're going to be on, on Christmas Eve, you're going to be on a huge stage. Uh, the battle for possibly the number one seed, the battle for the NFC East. I mean, all all of that's going to come to a head. This is this is typical Dallas Cowboy at this point. Um, we don't know what team you're going to get. Um, either a very dominant team. I, I still go back to the the win over Minnesota. I mean, I, I I knew Dallas could win that game. I wasn't sure Dallas was going to win that game. But the way they won that game is exactly the opposite of what we just saw with the Houston game, and that's. That's the Dallas Cowboys. That, that's been the Dallas Cowboys for the better part of the last 30 years. It's almost like they're somewhere in between those right. two games, yes. right? It's, you take the, and the Houston game is a win, so I, mean, I don't want to sit here and act like they lost the game, but the performance was definitely lackluster um, when you consider the competition. But when you see that Minnesota game, 40-3, to just defense absolutely dominating. They couldn't get anything going versus that Houston game. I think what you're, the team is probably somewhere in the middle, and you hope they're leaning more towards the Minnesota side, but – 
The defense over the last few weeks, after dominating early in the season, has been starting to give up a little bit more plays, yeah. getting a little bit banged up, but so is every other team, you know, coming down the stretch of the season. So Yeah, yeah, that, that that's going to be the thing to watch. That's going to be the thing to watch. Uh, what do we get out of the Cowboys on Sunday? Hopefully you see a very inspired effort, uh, I mean, because they need to, because you, you got a big one looming, but you can't uh, look past what's in front of you at the moment. And the whole thing is, I, I will go to the positive side here, not going to completely beat up on the Dallas Cowboys, but, but what you can go back to is in the past – they probably wouldn't have won that Houston game. They, Dak would have thrown one of those bullets and, and gotten it picked off or something. But they found a way to win that. So there, there, there are some good th- – there's a lot of good things happening, for crying out loud. But they are finding ways to win, and that's, that's a very good thing that, that we haven't seen in the past. Agree. The Jason Garrett teams, like you, you would just feel exactly. it in the air that something's going to go wrong with those Jason Garrett teams. And, you know, people can say what they want about Mike McCarthy, but – there's more of a confidence feeling, you know, with this team. I feel like down the stretch, being there in the arena, whenever they got that ball, I was after, especially after that first first down to Dalton Schultz across the middle. I'm like, oh, they're going to score. Like, yeah. just had that feeling. Where in past years, I don't think I would have felt that. Yeah, no doubt. This is like the tower on the horn. Corey Gidry and Rodney Rodriguez pinch hitting for the uh, crew. As you got a couple of them over in Arlington, and Jeff, hopefully back uh, next week. Do want to talk about the San Francisco 49ers? I, I mean, you. Uh, I think this whole thing, the way we watch it right now, as we sit here on 12-16-22 in the NFC, it, it's Philadelphia and San Francisco. To me, the, those two are are the the teams that stand out with Dallas uh, not so distant third but the the other two seem to have a lot of consistency where the Cowboys are lacking with what we're talking about right there but you see you got you got to talk about Kyle Shanahan and this 49er team with with what he's able to do right there you you, you come in you come into the season here's your quarterback oh he goes down and uh, Jimmy G the, you know the cast off nobody wanted him get, get get rid of him whatever the case was he comes in he's lighting this thing up and, and then he goes down and, and now you got you got Purdy that comes in in here it, that that tells you that tells you how I, I mean I don't want to say it's a plug and play, but when you're able to just back and forth, uh, quarterback to quarterback, and and you don't see a lot of uh, lit up in any of this. Very impressive what's happening with the 49ers. Very impressive, and you mentioned the two quarterbacks, Debo Samuel, you know, That's, injured yeah. as well, and then Elijah Mitchell, who was coming in this year to be their workhorse back, who uh, he he just got hurt again. That guy can't stay healthy whatsoever, but he had a good rookie season, and then. First game, sprained MCL. So then they're able to adjust, make the move for McCaffrey, and then um, you know keep their season alive. And you just can't help but love watching Kyle Shanahan. I mean, that first touchdown uh, last night, you have the little rocket motion, fake screen to McCaffrey, fake, fake the bubble to the rocket, and then Kittle just slips out up the hash, wide open, just walks in. It's like, yeah. that is play design. You know, you got to give credit to Purdy for being poised, you know, throughout all these games, but Kyle Shanahan is just – Absolutely one of the best coaches that we have in the league. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and you know, the thing about it is, I mean, Purdy was ready. I mean, when it when his number was called, and, I mean, that's all we always talk about, next man up, you know, whatever you want to say there. I mean, but he was ready. But he practices against that defense. And that's the other part of it where you look at that 49er team and the balance on both sides of the ball, that, that Bosa, that defense right there is just so good. And, I, you know, I, I put the 49ers – not 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 only because I don't want to say Philadelphia is the best team. I don't want to say that that they are the best team in the NFC. I think the 49ers are a little bit better right now because they, they they've got it on both sides of the ball and we're hearing throughout the week I mean it's like could Tom Brady become a 49er? Could Aaron Rodgers go to the 49ers? Uh, uh, do do you need do you need those dudes? Uh, I don't really think you need either one of those dudes from what I'm watching right now on the offensive side. Yeah, and um you know Kyle Shanahan I think in his mind 
he does think that if he had a guy like of that, course, of course, you know, you get to the Super Bowl, you lose with Jimmy G. You've been to the NFC Championship a couple of times. If he just had a little difference maker who could get him over the hump, he, that could interest him. So I could see it from that side. But man, especially their defense. Like I think if you look at Philadelphia's defense, there's been times when people have been able to run the ball on them. Even though they beat Green Bay, Green Bay had like 150 yards on the ground. But um, you know, we're just poking holes here. But you can't really poke a hole in that San Fran defense. No, you really can't, and and that's where I go back to the point that you're making right there. Is we're, uh, you know, with with the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys in the NFC. I mean, uh, that that defense, very good defense for the Dallas Cowboys, no doubt about it. But we we really are watching it go in the opposite direction. It appears to me than what the two defenses, the other two defenses, are doing. And w- and when you get to playoff time, and that that's where I go back to my concern with the Cowboys. I mean, you can't you can't spot. San Francisco 17 points and try to chase this thing back, especially if your defense is getting just a little bit leaky, whether it be due to injuries, whatever the case may be. It's a long season. You're going to get guys that are going to get dinged up and beat up, whatever the case is. But if that defense gets a little bit leaky and you start making mistakes and you're playing these these elite teams, elite teams in the NFC, you are, I mean, you're not going to get past the divisional round. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. They still, There's still time. You know, um, obviously Dallas also lost, lost Terrence Steele last game to a torn ACL, and apparently reports are coming out that we all expected Tyron Smith to come back, but they might, they're working him at right tackle a little bit. Um, there's been some reports of that, and Tyron did play right tackle at USC. He played it his first year in the NFL. Um, Flozo Adams was still, still around back in those days. Um, but it's been years, and it's like all the injuries that he's piled up, is he the same player? So Dallas definitely has some things to fight through, but we just mentioned all the injuries that San Francisco has. I mean, it's the yeah. NFL. Like yeah. you got to figure it out. Yeah, the 49ers seems like they they lose somebody and hell they get better is is what it really looks like is happening right there. But the business at hand and of course it'll be right here on the horn at noon on Sunday. It's the Cowboys uh taking on Jacksonville and again you you can't you can't look past you can't look past the Jaguars. You can't look past Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence and all of that bunch. You can't start sleepwalking and try to you know worry about Philadelphia. I mean Philadelphia is going to do what they're going to do. Uh, they, they take on Chicago, I guess is who, who they're going to play. Uh, that I mean don't don't worry about Philadelphia. If you're the Cowboys right now, you worry about what you need to do in Jacksonville. Take care of that business. Hopefully you don't get any any more dinged up guys. And then you get yourself ready for that Christmas Eve matchup against Philadelphia and, and, and everything that's going to be a part of it. That's the Cowboy talk right there as uh, we roll on towards the playoffs. Coming up, we'll have another Longhorn Notebook, and then we're going to talk to one of the great high school coaches here in the Central Texas area. Head Coach Anthony Wood of the Westwood Warriors will join us to preview some of these state championship games. We'll get his opinion on which one of them is going to be the best matchup coming up here in the next two days. This is Light the tower on the horn it's 1049 1019 fm am 1260 always streaming on the horn app and smart speaker and at hornfm.com It is like the tower on the horn. Corey Guidry, Rodney Rodriguez, all of you checking in. 337-3776. Specs text line is open. Of course, talking about state championships. Vandegrift in that state championship game. Taking on DeSoto from AT&T Stadium. 2.30 on Saturday, your Flex ATX pregame. 2.45 
will be the Vandegrift pregame 3 o'clock kickoff. You can hear the game right here on the Horn, 104.9, 1019 FM, AM 1260. You can listen live at hornfm.com or through the Horn app as the Vandegrift Vipers look to bring a state championship back home to the Austin area. Let's hit our second Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. Of course, the Longhorn Notebook presented by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert, Bowersock. Go to BowersockTeam.com. I can tell you, buyer's market is really starting to shift, shifting to a buyer's market. BowersockTeam.com for your loan expert needs right there. Let's take a look at Texas basketball. Of course, you had everything that went down Monday. You wake up to a black cloud, kind of, kind of a, kind of a Black Monday situation. Uh, what you had right there. Rodney Terry able to get this team together. There is the overtime win. Obviously, you watch a team that that is not in sync. I mean, Rodney Terry didn't know he was going to be coaching the you know at the helm of this team until just a couple of hours before that uh, when when Chris Beard uh, is suspended indefinitely there by the University of Texas. Able to bring this group, able to pull them together, and boy, I'll tell you, it was a struggle. But they're able to beat Rice in overtime, eighty-seven to eighty-one. This is going to be a true test of uh, uh, of coaching and and bringing your team together we were talking earlier on the show about uh what what great uh influence uh, influencers you, you know the coaches are on these young folks well that that doesn't matter the sport and we're definitely seeing that right now next game coming up it'll be from the american airlines center in dallas sunday at noon taking on stanford and of course you can hear it right here on 104.9 if you were looking for the cowboys that'll be on noon that'll be at noon on 101.9 fm and an 1260 as they will take on jacksonville that is your longhorn notebook present by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert, BowersockTeam.com. Talking about the high school playoffs, talking about state championships all coming to a head this weekend at AT&T Stadium. Let's go back to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline. We're going to talk to my coach. We're going to talk to the man uh, called so many of his Westwood Warrior games, and he is en route. He may actually already be there. It is my good friend, Anthony Wood. How are we doing, coach? Doing great, Rodney. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. I'm doing well. How's uh, how's the mood over there? Have you made it? Uh, have you made it to Jerry 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 World Jerry Land, whatever you want to call it? I am en route right now. I pulled over. Uh, I'm I'm waiting to get there. And I'm, I'm following the the Wimberley uh, Carthage game right now. Oh, nice, nice, awesome. I love it. I love it. So, Coach, before we dive into these state championships, I want to do congratulate you. Uh, nice improvement. A good season for your Westwood team. Uh, talk about that. It, it sure was good. Uh, you, you're getting wins, district wins. Uh, it has to be a feeling of optimism for you over at Westwood. You know, there, there really is. You know, last year was a really rough season for us. Uh, this year we, we had 15 sophomore and freshman kids play for us. Uh, we're really excited about our future. You know, we were ahead in nine of our football games this year. Uh, we've got to find a, a better way to finish, and that's what this offseason is all about, is about finishing those games where we're ahead. Uh, but with our young talent coming up, I think our future looks really bright at Westwood. Absolutely. So let's talk about what, what we want to call our, our local teams. Uh, you mentioned there Carthage and Wimberley. You're following that one right there. Uh, your thoughts on that one right there? You've got a couple of 15-0 and 0 teams right there, and that's, uh, that's just two Bulls that are meeting right in the middle of AT&T Stadium. That is going to be a great game. It, it really is. You know, I'm really rooting for Wimberley. You know, we just hired a head basketball coach, uh, Kelly Payton, who was at uh, who's a graduate of Wimberley High School. Uh, she's rooting on uh, the Texans as, as uh, the rest of the Westwood family is. 
but Carthage, you know, that uh, Coach Surratt, he's done a great job. You know, I think he's going for his ninth state championship there uh, at Carthage. And so he's he's built a dynasty there. But uh, I know in, in our area, we're really rooting for the Texans, and, and uh, they do a great job out there. Absolutely. They sure do. Perennial power right there, uh, the Wimberley Texans. 6AD2, we were just talking uh, about that game coming up tomorrow. Your thoughts, uh, Coach Sanders there with Vandy. Uh, you, get to, you get to see them quite often. Uh, what, what a program he's built there, and uh, here they are in the, in the spotlight. Uh, Got to be happy to see one of your, uh, your fellow district coaches in, in this huge state championship game. Absolutely. Anytime you can get a team from your district uh, to play in the state championship, it just lets you know what quality football you're playing. But Coach Sanders has done a great job at Vandergriff since the school opened in 2010. Uh, they continue to get better and better. You know, last year they had a great run. Uh, this year they've done a uh, uh, just an uh, outstanding job. I know not very many people gave them a uh, chance against Katie, uh, but it just goes to show – Sanders uh, prepares his teams uh, to play great football. He has a scheme built to stop uh, any type of offense. And uh, the, the thing that I don't think people realize uh, is that, you know, Sanders has been known to be a great defensive coordinator, but his offense this year, the, the weapons that he has on offense, starting with his quarterback, uh, it, it's just that that's where they're dangerous. Their offense is such a – fast strike offense that can score at any time. Uh, he's just got weapons all over the field. So it's not surprising to see that Vandy's in the state championship this year. I, I think uh, they've surprised a lot of people from around the state, but in Central Texas, I don't think there's a, a big surprise. Uh, and coach, I would love your your thoughts on this because we were talking about you know talking about spotlights and bright lights and everything there at AT and T Stadium. In, in your opinion, how do you mentally? Because I know you and I have talked many times. I mean, the, these are young kids uh, that, that you're dealing with right here. How do you how do you mentally prepare these youngsters for for what they're about to jump into? Any of these state championship games uh, that uh, that that probably has to be ninety percent of the hardest part. That mental side to get them in the right mindset going into this limelight. You, you know, what you try to do is, is you want to keep them on a, on a normal schedule. Nothing mm -hmm. changes. You know, they've prepared for the last 15 weeks a certain way. Uh, the, this next game, it is for the state championship. There is a finality to the seniors. You, you know, as you go through the playoffs, you, you're, you're always wondering, well, when's it going to end? Well, so they know after tonight or tomorrow night that this will be their final game for those seniors. Uh, so they will they'll lay it out on the line and they're going to give everything that they have because they do know there's an end uh, at the end of 48 minutes. They know that that their career uh, is possibly over, but you're going to keep the your your Saturday to Saturday schedule the same. Uh, the one thing that I think is, is really neat when you come up here to these state championship games is these teams that play. They come up a day early. They'll sit up uh, at the top of the stadium and they'll be able to take in the atmosphere uh, I know when, when we've played at stadiums like Kyle Field and stuff like that, we've given our kids an opportunity to, to just go out on the field, take pictures, uh, do, you know, take it all in, and then we give them about 30 minutes just to kind of enjoy the atmosphere. And then when we come back in the locker room, it's all business. And, and then it becomes just a normal game. Yeah. And so what, once they get the, the big stardom uh, of playing there at AT&T Stadium, uh, then it's just going to be a football game just like playing right there at Monroe Stadium for them. Absolutely. 
Westwood Warrior coach Anthony Wood with us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline talking UIL state championships. So the, the finale tomorrow night, 6A Division One. you got Duncanville and Galena Park North Shore. Uh, your thoughts on that one? That, that's uh, two undefeated powers right there, and that that's going to be some tremendous football tomorrow evening to cap it all off. If I was a college recruiter, that's exactly where I would be. There <laughs> yeah. will be – there will be, I mean, 20 to 30 Division One athletes on that football field. Uh, it, it is going to be uh, a game where, I mean, you're going to see kids that will be playing on Sunday on that field. It'll be a fast, fast football game with some uh, big players uh, that are very skilled. Uh, it's going to be an exciting match. You, you know, this will be, I think, the fourth time that they've played uh, in the state championship game, and I'm looking forward to to see in that one. It is going to be it, it'll be a great football game to watch. No doubt. We were talking earlier, Coach, uh, the, the one tonight, uh, I think with P&G, Port Natchez Groves, I mean, that, that's another, and, and what a following uh, that, that group has. South Oak Cliff, 12-3 uh, and three football team right there in 5A Division Two. I think uh, I mentioned it earlier on the show. I, I, that To me, I mean, that may be the game of the weekend. I, I just Something is telling me that's going to be a classic. I, I think you're exactly right. I think that one right there will be the highest attended game uh, this year. Uh, P&G uh, travels uh, tremendously. They will bring uh, they'll bring the entire town. Uh, uh, added Beaumont will follow them also. Uh, Sock will have all of Dallas, South Dallas uh, there at the stadium. It will be they'll have to open up the upper deck most likely for that that game right there. Uh, and it is going. It will be a great football uh, game. Jeff, Coach Joseph's done a great job. You know his his grandfather gave me my first job, and so wow. I'm, I'm a true uh, J- Coach Joseph fan. Uh, he will. He is. He, he's done. And this is his first year as a head coach there at PNG. So it, he's done great. I'm really rooting for the Indians and uh, ho- hoping that they 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 bring home a state championship. But it is going. That wouldn't will be one to watch. Coach, when when it comes to the state championship weekend, state championship week, all of this is happening, and so many of you great uh, Texas high school football coaches uh, making, the, making the trip for this, does it, uh, does it become somewhat of a business meeting for you guys, or, 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 is, it, or is it casual? Is this where you can kind of just, uh, just sit back and be a, a football fan, or, or, or are you guys networking and working as you're there? Well, it's surely a time to, to really just be a football fan. You get to see a lot of good football, uh, but you do get to meet up with some buddies that, that you hadn't seen uh, in a while. Uh, we all congregate there and uh, just talk about um, the, the, the games that are going on. And, and you know, just like any fan, we're, we're like, well, why was he doing that or what was he thinking there? So we'll be judgmental also throughout the games, uh, but it, it is really just a time just to, to really just enjoy some good football and, and really be thinking about, boy, how can I get my team here next year? And, and that's what we're all pushing for. We, we all have a goal of getting our teams to the state championship because it's such a great experience for not just the players and the coaches, but the, the students at that school, the teachers at that school, the, the parents, the community, you know, football game encompasses so many uh, people within your school with your band and your dance team and your cheerleaders. Uh, it just brings the school together, and it's a great time. It's right before Christmas, and, and what a great Christmas present to, to that entire community. And, and that's what, as head coaches, uh, we're, we're all shooting for, 
And so that, that those are the things that in your mind you're you're sitting there in the in the stadium and you're going, man, I I would really like to be down there with my team and let them experience what these kids are getting to experience. Coach, I was talking earlier in the show. I think one of the coolest parts for me at, at these uh, state championship games, uh, like you mentioned right there with uh, PNG South uh, South Oak, you know the, the attendance, what that's going to be. One of the neatest parts is watching in between games. You got the diehards that are going to stay, but you watch the communities filtering in and out. You watch a stadium start to empty out, and then boom, it's full again. It is. Uh, it's like a rite of passage just to watch that happen. It really is. They, they, uh, AT&T does a great job. They'll have sections uh, that are designed for the next team to come in. But what you don't see is all the, the, the community that's waiting in line uh, in a certain section of AT&T that they, they, for, it's first come, first serve to get into those seats. And, and the, the game is going on, but the, this community is waiting so they can get their their seats right up there up front but to see how fast it fills up and to to see the the one team getting their their gold medals and then the yeah. other teams that are around trying to get their warm-ups in it, it truly is a, a neat uh, atmosphere just to get to to experience and, it, and if if you're a high school fan there's no better weekend than to sit up there get your hotel room close and and just sit through and and watch these these championship games it's a lot of fun it sure is lots of cool stuff to do there as well uh with the off time so coach uh travel safely my friend we'll let you uh make your way over there thanks for checking in with us on light the tower and uh enjoy enjoy the ball games it's going to be a great weekend absolutely and uh rodney and Corey, i appreciate you guys having me on and uh let, let's look, root for our local teams to bring home some state championships. You bet. We'll do it. Thanks a lot, Coach. Be well. Uh, thanks. You bet. There he goes. Head Coach Anthony Wood, one of the coolest dudes in high school football. I, I'll tell you, I, I, I enjoy talking to him each and every time that I get the opportunity to, to talk with, with Anthony Wood. And it's uh, a lot of times we'd sit and we'd break down film. And, and it, it, it make, made me – he's made me a better broadcaster because when it comes to, to doing play-by-play for games because he, he'll tell me, okay, watch for this. Okay, when this happens, this is what's going to happen. And he, he'll seriously just sit there and break stuff down for you. And that's uh, – again, that just goes to the brilliance of the – these guys, I mean, they yeah. they just love the game. You can hear the excitement in his voice. That, that's crazy. You think his team's playing? Yeah, I just I just love football coaches in general. I grew up, you know, in a household with a high school football coach, and yeah, I just I love being around those guys. The intensity, but the passion and the knowledge, and just all of it. Um, I just love talking to football coaches and. Uh, you know, being around him any chance I can get. Speaking of football coaches, before we go to break, did you hear uh, Drew Brees, interim assistant yes. at, at Purdue? How about that? Uh, you had to know it was just a matter of time. Had to be just a matter of time. He'll help out uh, Ryan Walters, the new coach there, as they get set for the Citrus Bowl. But uh, how about that? I wouldn't mind having that dude as an assistant coach. Yeah, he um he tried the whole broadcasting uh-huh. thing. I didn't mind him personally. Yeah, I, I, no. thought, I thought he was all right. Um, but, you know, I think he's one of those guys that competitive drive gets him. He, he wants to be hands-on out there. So, I mean, he definitely, you know, he definitely has the knowledge. Um, we'll see if it translates. But, uh, yeah, it could be interesting. Yeah, we'll see how that all shakes out. Drew Brees, assistant head coach at Purdue. Coming up, we will touch on those high school matchups one more time before we get you to Chad and Zay. Also want to talk a little baseball, talk a little Carlos Correa and that massive contract that he signed with the San Francisco Giants, but also the impact that he still has with the Houston Astros. That's coming up when Light the Tower continues on the Horn, live local digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
Light the tower on the horn. Taking you to Chad and Zay. And you got Ball Don't Lie. Lots to do this afternoon. Keep it locked in right here on the horn. And we'll get you ready for bowl season getting underway as well. Talked some UTSA football earlier in the program. Hector Ledesma checking in as the Cure Bowl coming up at 2 o'clock as it'll be UTSA taking on Troy. Looking forward to that one. I think it's going to be uh, some great football right there uh, this afternoon in that Cure Bowl. A couple of conference championship uh, conference champions that are going to be going toe-to-toe there in Orlando. Not starting out the way we were looking for there for Wimberley at the end of the first quarter. They trail Carthage 21 to nothing. Carthage scoring right there at the end of the first quarter to make it a three-score ball game. So hopefully the Wimberley Texans will be able to bounce back from that. And again, we talked earlier in the show, you spot someone 21 points. Uh, that's not the way you want to start a football game. Not against a good team who's also um, been pretty dominant this year and made it all the way to the state title game. So, yeah, not ideal first half uh, for Wimberley there at all. We'll take a look there as they go to the second quarter. Of course, uh, a little bit later on, you got China Springs taking on Bernie. That's in 4A Division One, And then tonight, uh, 5A Division Two PNG against South Oak Cliff. That's a 7 o'clock game. And then tomorrow, 11 a.m., it'll fire off early. 5A Division One, Alito taking on College Station. 6A Division Two at 3 o'clock, DeSoto and Vandegrift. Right here, hometown Vandegrift Vipers as they look to bring home their first state championship. And it'll cap off like Anthony Wood said. And big thanks there to Coach Wood for checking in with us on his way there. Duncanville in Galena Park, North Shore, man. You know that's going to be some good stuff right there. That's going to be massive. A lot of, lot of, lot of D1 athletes going to be on that yeah, field. no doubt. Wanted to talk a little bit about Carlos Correa. Of course, he signs that contract a little bit earlier uh, earlier in the week. Uh, 13-year, $350 million contract. Of course, leaving the Houston Astros. I like what he did. I mean, you and I were talking. I have no ill will against him or George Springer or whatever. It's a, it's, it's, it's a business. That That's what happens. You know, we talk about it on the racing show, how everything is a business. That's what these guys are doing. You don't have a lot of guys that stay with their original team. Uh, like they used to do right there. So and he's able to opt out from the contract there with Minnesota and, and signs that. Uh, and the, the best part, he's going to get that money. Doesn't yeah. matter. He's going to get it. Yeah, that's baseball for you. <laughs> yeah, he's going to get that. But one of the coolest things that I heard during the World Series, of course, we saw the emergence all year with, with Jeremy Pena uh, as as he became the shortstop when 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 Correa's gone. And again, a lot of people are pissed off at Correa, but it's like that's what's going to happen. But, but i got to tell you, it, it's always been Carlos Correa throughout the scandal, throughout the, the cheating scandal. Carlos Correa was the one that, that stepped up and defended the franchise, de- defended the city, defended his teammates. He was really the most vocal of all of them. I, I mean, Took that was... The bullets. Yes, absolutely. Each and every one of them. I- anyone that came at him, it's Correa, just standing right there. Heard throughout the World Series where the, the, the relationship that developed between he and Jeremy Pena. Pena was actually on a podcast a, a little... It was right after the World Series, in about mid-November. And you actually got to hear uh, Jeremy Pena talking about that relationship, and it does. It, it, it tells you the stand-up professional that Carlos Correa is. Take a listen to this. This is really good stuff. So then everyone right away ran with the narrative, Jeremy Pena is replacing Carlos. What's the actual truth? Carlos Correa, since the first day we met, you know, he kind of took me under his wing. You know, He would always do early work, call me with him, come catch ground balls with me, and now we'd just talk about everything. I learned so much from him. He would strive to be perfect. He's one of the best in the game. And what people don't know is that Last year, when we got eliminated in the World Series, you know, everyone saying bye to each other. And he actually called me over. He gave me a hug in the middle of the hallway. And he told me, get ready, because next year, I think you're going to be the man. I think you're going to be 
a key piece to this team next year. That moment to me was eye-opening and surreal. He didn't have to do that. He didn't that have yet. to do that. He didn't have to do that. So, you know, he, he's the man. He's a man, all right. And and you want to talk about key piece. I mean, key piece indeed. I mean, what this kid did. And, and just think about that. And that that right there, why I wanted to talk about that, because, you you, you know, Aaron Rodgers, for example, you, you know, where you, you're gonna, you draft Jordan Love. He's not happy about that. He's mad about that because that's that's the guy that's going to replace you. I mean, the bottom line, that's that's the guy that's going to replace you. But but when you see a guy like Carlos Correa, arguably one of the best shortstop in Major League Baseball, I mean, right at the top, I mean, you put him down. Definitely in the top five, in my opinion. But where he's in that situation, and that's where he goes back to, he cares about that franchise. And you could you could see it when he was on some of those uh, pre and post game shows. Well, didn't he say we on one of them? He said we need to do this. Said, oh, I'm yeah, on team yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's right. But but that tells you uh, how deeply rooted he is in that franchise with what he did right there. I think it says a lot about a guy's character. You know, a lot of guys they come in and they climb the ladder, and once they get to the top, they want to pull the ladder up behind them. Mm-hmm. But um, it really shows a guy's character when, you know, they understand that, uh, you know, new guys are going to have to come up. They understand, you know, leave the ladder down. Let let the, you know, new guy come up and, and get the shine. And as a Houston fan, uh, I hold nothing against the, the, the guy, man. I mean, when you do such a great job of acquiring talent like Houston's done, you're not going to be able to pay everyone, even in a non-salary cap league uh you still only the owner only has a certain budget, you know what I mean? That's right. And, uh, you got to pick the guys you got to pick, and um, for that reason, you know, I always have love for Carlos Gray. I mean, he brought us first ever World Series championship. He was a key piece in that. Um, whatever people want to say about it, I'll never forget that, and um, always be a fan of him for it. Absolutely, absolutely, and like we said, he was he was the most upstanding and took every shot that anyone had for that franchise, for that city, for that team. Carlos Correa, great stuff right there uh, with Jeremy Payne, and just thought that would kind of hit home hearing it hearing it from him here in the in the holiday season where you want to hear good things, you don't want to hear stuff like Brad stealing from the cop of in at Walmart in Florida. You want to hear stuff like that where people helping each other out. But I, I love your thoughts before we go i mean uh, J- uh, justin verlander he takes some money in uh, I, him him I'm, I'm kind of a little disappointed I, I guess i would say i get it but man i wanted it i, I wanted to keep him in houston i, I thought he was going to finish out with houston it would have been nice um the bag they offered him was <laughs> about over 40 million for a 40 year old pitcher who showed i mean he had a decent game five but uh game one man wasn't 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 good for him um shown you know propensity to struggle in the playoffs even though he did have a Pretty good regular season, very good regular season. So, um, yeah. a bit disappointing, but I think uh, with the emergence of a guy like Javier, you're you're looking to be okay and uh, replace uh, the production that. Or at least it's to some degree the production that Verlander gave you last year. Houston Astros have definitely put themselves in a position where you talk about it in a great example right there with Jeremy Pena, where you, where they they reload. I mean, we talk about it with college football and high school football all the time, but I mean, it, it seems like the the Houston Astros are doing right now what the San Antonio Spurs did so well. You know, back at the time of the Big Three, where they're able to pluck these prospects out. I mean, they they find these folks. I mean, you don't want to say it's uh it's uh they're taking a a long shot at somebody, but they're able to find these prospects and develop them proof is in the pudding another world series right there for the houston astros a reminder texas basketball sunday right here on the horn that'll be at noon that's on 104.9 right here 104.9 you'll have texas basketball the dallas cowboys on the road taking on jacksonville that will be at noon over on 1019 and am 1260 for sunday 
Folks, enjoy your high school championship weekend. Good luck to all of our local teams. Hopefully, Wimberley's going to be able to surge back in. Been great here on Light the Tower. Craig will be back on Monday. We'll see Snoop as well, and we'll see when Jeff makes his way back. Huge thanks to Corey Gidry back there behind the glass, co-hosting with me here this after this morning. My name is Rodney Rodriguez. It's Light the Tower on the Horn, live local digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Chad and Zay coming up. <laughs>